0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Harrison County Development Commission. Through their SeaForce training program, they provide high school students an internship in career fields of their choice. This allows the student to see if that career is right for them, and it also provides work experience that they can list on their resume. The Harrison County Development Commission also focuses on keeping retired military personnel right here on the Gulf Coast by connecting them with companies looking for skilled workers. You can visit them on their website at mississippicoast.org or like them on their Facebook page. Now let's jump into the episode. What's up, everybody? It's the Brownwater Banter Podcast. I am Jared Seymour. I'm Joey Cates. And we are here today with Jonathan Maizano from Mizano's Fine Wine and Spirits in Ocean Springs on Highway 90. Um, we've been talking about doing this one for a while, man, yeah. and I'm so glad we finally got it going. Um, as everybody knows, one of the backstories is the, the meaning behind Brownwater Banter. Uh, one of those meanings is Brownwater meaning bourbon. And uh, and whiskey too, but but mainly bourbon. And we have the uh we, we have someone here today who can actually talk intelligently <laughs> about that.
1: So uh first off, Jonathan, how you doing today, man? Good. Glad to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. And uh, you know, I love talking about wine and whiskey. So Absolutely. this is definitely one of my so passions. Sweet. Absolutely. Uh
0: I've been in your store, uh, like I said, Ocean Springs, Highway 90, and dude, it is it is very, very cool. I went right to your bourbon aisle, uh, took some video, looked around, like the selection is is legit. Like you got it going on.
1: Yeah. So the goal of the past 15 years since I opened up was to, you know, put together an incredible selection of a lot of small family producers on the wine side. And, uh, you know, I always drank whiskey. So for me, that was a, an important focal point as well. We try to keep at least 200 on hand, a hundred bourbons, hundred different scotches, Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been having a lot of fun going to Kentucky the past couple of years, picking out some Myzano hand-select single barrels. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome.
0: I, I, uh, we're, we're, I've i known you for a while. We're friends on Facebook, and I see all the travels that you do. Um, y'all go to the distillery you do and, and hand-select this stuff. Like what's the process there and and what do you, you contact these distilleries? Obviously I'll have a relationship because you're selling their product and you get to pick what you want, like these specific barrels te- before it's available to the public. Right?
1: Yeah. So I'll take you back kind of a little bit of, of my starting process with yeah. this. So like I said, I've, uh, I've always been a whiskey drinker. Um, I started off studying wine, you know, waiting tables and fine dining, really found a passion for small produced Which is family where we wines. Met. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, another the, life the in Bo the image. restaurant world. Bo so Rai. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, yeah. But I was really fortunate there; had a great sommelier, stayed underneath, got the opportunity to meet a lot of incredible winemakers from all over the world, and realized that was what I wanted to do: was get out there, share these guys' stories, their passion with the consumers here on the Gulf Coast. Uh, like I said, that was 15 years ago. About six years ago, I made my first trip to Kentucky. Uh, so when you're going to pick out an entire barrel of bourbon, you're getting anywhere from you know 160 to 200 ish bottles. So it's a big commitment. And yeah. six years ago, you know, bourbon wasn't nearly as hot as it is today. Um, So kind of knowing that if if nobody else bought the whole barrel, I could uh, sit and (laughs) drink through it over time. (laughs) Uh, I had a great customer who was excited when I told him I was thinking about going up there. And he said, well, find out how many cases I need to buy for you to go to get my own private label. And I called uh, Four Roses Distilleries, who I was looking at, to go pick the first barrel. And they said, tell me if he buys five cases, we'll do it. So the rest is history. We got in the car, drove to Kentucky. And uh, like I said, that was six years ago. I picked my very first barrel of Four Roses. I just picked my hundredth barrel at Four at Four Roses a month ago. So hundredth yes. overall yeah. barrel. So it was a big deal for me, and uh, really exciting in six years to get to hundred barrels in, uh, in one retail outlet here in South Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot. So,
0: dude, that's awesome. What? So what's the process with that? I mean, you said you know you picked up the phone, you call them, but you had to get your palate. I'm um, uh, trained up, like you said, with the wine background uh, to go up there and figure out what's going through your mind when you pick something out. Pick so, that. Pick that out. Is it? what you like or is it only what you like or what you think will sell like what's how do, how do you do that
1: you know so for me um when i first started drinking whiskey you know waiting tables get off work you started off jack and coke eventually jack yeah. and ginger ale jack and water there yeah uh, that is the progression that too. is yeah. Know, yeah. the progression jack on the rocks baby and, uh, yes one day in about a week time span i tried knob creek and woodford reserve and that was it after that i was hooked on on bourbon those two bourbons were so different in style and flavor profile you know, Woodford kind of being more mellow, had a little smokiness. Knob Creek is more big up front with 100 proof, um, you know, a lot more oak, more kind of rich and robust. And I just loved the nuances between those two different brands. And that kind of that kind of started my passion of tasting through them and using my wine background. Uh, I think that's why I've been so successful in picking barrels. Um, so when you go to the distillery, basically they'll roll out anywhere from, you know, four to 10 barrels. So usually we taste about six at a time. Uh, The master distiller head of quality control will pre-select barrels that they feel have reached, you know, the proper maturation, the Mm -hmm. flavor profile, what they're looking for, and then they roll them out. um, And essentially we go through the whiskey thief, we pull them out of each one and we just sit down and taste them. I'll take notes, you know, on the nose, go through, uh, taste each one. If we're going to be cutting with water, I'll make those cuts with water as well. And uh, just really try to focus on what stands out in each barrel, the flavor profile and the nose that's unique to me that
2: you like. Yeah. Now, these are the same, this is the same whiskey in different barrels, right? But the same type of whiskey, same brand of whiskey, and you're trying all seven different, 10 different barrels of the same whiskey, correct?
1: Correct. The only time there's a little variance, you know, it's somewhere like four roses. They've got different yeast strain, mashable combinations. So some might be high rye or low rye and different, uh, you know, yeasts in there. But for the most part, uh, you're tasting essentially the same product, just aged in different warehouses, uh, different levels. So, you know, the higher you go up in the warehouse, you get into evaporation rates are different. So say you have a seven-story warehouse. Each floor has three barrels on it. Um, as you go up in height, the bourbon, the water evaporates out faster Because heat rises alcohol. and it's, it's going to, to heat be a little hotter, hotter up in the top. Yeah, you can easily have a 20, 30-degree temperature swing, you know, in a seven-story warehouse from bottom right. to top. And I've been out there and, and gone up and down. It's incredible how temperature fluctuation is. So you can imagine you've got these, you know, these... 50-plus-gallon oak barrels filled with, with, uh, with white dog in the beginning. And every time it gets hot, that whiskey swells into the oak, right uh, into these barrels. And every time it gets cold, it pushes back out. So on this barrel stave right here, you can see this red line or the soak line. That is the depth of penetration of that right. whiskey in and out oh. over time. It's a good quarter you, inch. You mentioned, yeah, you're going about halfway into yeah. the oak. Absolutely. You mentioned
0: uh what did you call it? White dog? Is that what you said? Yeah, white yeah.
1: dog. So what, white dog. Let, let's
0: start out for people that are some people hopefully are listening to this or big bourbon whiskey aficionados. I would I would love for that. But what about the person who doesn't know anything about it, which was not me too much long ago as it's far as me. the process, right? So whiskey starts out, and we had uh recently on the episode the yeasty beastie guy come in here, Jason, talk about Brewing beer They kind of start In a similar path And then beer branches Off a little bit where, where alcohol goes Into a different Process right But they start Kind of the same
1: Yeah the exact same way you, They call it distiller's beer Because you're making Basically beer And then from there You run it through Distillation Right Through your different stills And you distill it down Until you get high proof
0: Okay. And for people that don't know, before bourbon gets its beautiful uh, caramel wow. brown, brown water banter co- color, uh, it starts off as, like you said, white dog. So let's walk through that process real okay. quick.
1: Okay. And kind of backing up even a little further. Sure. So the predominant grain to make bourbon is corn. corn. That's so right. to make bourbon, it's got to be at least 51% corn in the mash bill. So the mash bill is go. essentially the recipe that they cook uh, to, make, to make the spirit. So you've got to be at least 51% corn. Then from there, the next predominant ingredient is either going to be wheat... Uh, these are Maker's Mark samples, so they use wheat as their secondary grain. Okay. Or it's going to be rye. Most bourbons are rye, some are wheat, and then you're going to have a little bit of malted barley. Uh, Malted barley helps with a couple things. It helps get, um, you know, get the cook process going, help break down the sugars faster, and then it also gives you some mouthfeel and structure in there. So you're going to have a small percentage of malted barley. And then from there, once you, you cook that down you're making white dogs. So white dogs is after you make your cuts of heads and tails, which are taking off the impurities, Mm -hmm. you're getting the cleanest part uh, of the whiskey. And to go into the barrel, it can be no higher than 125 proof, which is what most distillers are going to go in. Some are going to run a little lower. could be anywhere down to, you know, maybe 108, but most of them are going to go in at 125. Uh Um, I mean, obviously it helps out with cost because you're going into higher proof. So as you're coming down, if you're going to have a 90 proof product, It gives you more fluctuation to water down to get to that product. Okay. Okay. Um, But you can't go any higher than that. So yeah, white dog is essential. That's your, your basic recipe you're starting out with. And everybody has kind of their own, you know, yeast strain proprietary recipe. Um, that they start with and then all the rest of the magic happens in the barrel after that that's right yeah that's right i like how the process starts out as pretty much
0: salad ingredients yeah <laughs> yeah it it's really right. just simple you know at the salad bar at olive garden you could start yeah. through the process of uh, of making a bourbon but i
2: never knew it started out clear and didn't know that
0: I, I did only because recently haven't looked into this a little bit um but like you're saying the magic happens in these charred oak barrels right and that's unique to
1: bourbon as well correct so to be bourbon one of the other requirements is it has to be brand new charred American oak. That's right. So you have to have American oak uh, and this is, like I said, a piece of a stave and you can kind of see the width. It's pretty neat to go to Cooper's up there and you watch them make the barrels. They just have giant stacks of staves and those guys just, it's all random. They just know the pieces in the puzzle fit together. The Coopers, it's incredible. I've seen it a couple times now. Uh, Then from there, the barrels are charred. Most are going to be a level three or four char, you know, looking at 40, 45 seconds uh, under intense heat, which is going to caramelize the wood, helps uh just break down the sugars to help impact that flavor and get it deeper into the oak. Really. Which it's all about getting the whiskey in and out of the oak. Big part of why Kentucky has been, you know, the the birthplace and heart of bourbon is it gets really hot there in the summer like we have here and yeah. it gets really cold in the winter. Where it's just maybe so, kind of maybe we lack, right? A little bit. Right. We so don't down here, it's summer, 10 months yeah. out of the year. So the problem with that is all your whiskey is going to evaporate and disappear. You know, you, you <laughs> yeah. need it. You need it to cool back <laughs> Can't down. You cannot have
0: that. Just cannot push
1: all that whiskey back into the right. barrel. Right. Um, and like I said, when you go into a barrel, you know, you're over 50 gallons and when it comes out and you may only get, you know, a half a barrel, a quarter a barrel, a third of a barrel, depending on how much that evaporation, they call it the angel share, how much they drink. So you figure most bourbon oh, is going to go, right, it's, yeah. it's at least four years and a lot of them are going to be, you know, six, eight, 10 years. So right. that's a huge amount of loss over six, right. eight, 10 so, years. So, I mean,
2: if you have just a, a hot year, you could lose half your whiskey.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, so that's a big part too of why most bourbon, they've got all these different warehouses, like I said, different tiers. A lot of distilleries are going to have, you know, I mean, anywhere from, you know, half a dozen to 70, 80 warehouses from 25 to 60,000 barrels in each house. Wow. It's an incredible amount of whiskey and a lot of weight, too. Uh, you know, barrels full, you're looking at. Five hundred ish pounds. Yeah, I know that because I picked out a Maker's Barrel back in January, and they were uh, taking bets on what the weight was going to be, and it was like five twenty six. So yeah, we waited wow. after we filled it up.
0: They there was not too long ago in the news. I don't remember where it was at Kentucky or somewhere in there. Didn't one of those warehouses either catch fire and then a lot of those barrels spilled out into some local river some or river, something yeah. like that? Yeah,
1: So there's been a couple of issues in the last few years. You know, last year we had uh, seventeen ninety two Old Barton Distillery. Uh, I, I got they had a, had a, a bottle of
0: that over here, in the uh, right over here off camera. Yeah. So they yeah.
1: had a they had a uh, warehouse collapse there. And okay. lost about half the. It was pretty neat to see the warehouse kind of cut in half. You know, the, about right. half the barrels dumped out, um, and then the rest of it fell a couple of days later. That's tragic. So that oh. ran into the river, and of course, you you run into all the EPA and yeah, all, the, all I mean, the issues. And
2: it's, then all that spilled whiskey. <laughs>
1: a lot of A lot of a lot of happy fish for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Dead um, happy fish. But yeah,
0: that that's crazy. Um, I want to ask a question. Going back to what you said about stacking of, uh, you say some some of these distilleries, these warehouses will be seven stories ish high, right? Do they keep the, if you're a ground floor barrel, do you stay ground floor or do they mix and match and kind of rotate them around as a part of their flavor technique or their flavor profile?
1: Yeah. So that's a question I get asked a lot. You know, how do you get, say, for example, something like Jim Beam White Label, right? Like how do you get Jim Beam to taste the same today as it did 20 years ago? And it's going to taste the same in 20 years from now. So what they'll do is. They'll intermingle from different warehouses. So they might pull 1,000, 1,200 barrels from all different warehouses, different tiers, and blend all those together to get a consistent flavor profile. Uh, when you say
0: blend, though, is that actually pouring them into a, 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 a barrel together, or does that mean swapping them around? So they're actually going to blend barrel.
1: them together. Maker's Mark will actually rotate their barrels, but they're one of the few mm-hmm. distilleries. It is incredibly labor-intensive to, oh, uh, to wow. rotate your barrels. Um yeah, for the most part, you just they blend them from different warehouses, different tiers. So you're getting different proof levels, different right. evaporation rates, different ages to make a uh, consistent flavor. To make a consistent flavor, they're, they're looking for the opposite. Of what I'm looking for right. They want it to be exactly the same. Where when I'm picking a single barrel, I want it to be unique, and that ba- that barrel has its own specific flavor profile that stood oh, out to me cool. and is something exciting and stands out. The same token, though, you also may taste single barrels that you you really dislike. So. Right. I always tell people I don't have to be the one picking your single barrels, uh, but you want to go with someone that you trust. You trust their palate, whether it's a master distiller, if it's a if it's a store, a restaurateur that you want to make sure that it's somebody that that drinks whiskey, that loves whiskey, and knows the flavors what they're looking for. I've had some uh, some really tough to drink single barrels that other people have picked out, and I think it's maybe just what they were looking for. I think a lot of people, if you're picking a bourbon that's going to be cut down in proof, okay, if you're not cutting those down in proof out in the warehouse and tasting them, I've had barrels i really liked, and uh, we cut them with water. And it's like, wow, it just totally falls apart. So really? if you're not out there cutting those and testing them and tasting what the final product is going to be, I think that's a, you know might be a mistake that, that people make.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that you bring the the water with you um, when you go to taste these things, right?
1: We do. So when we pour them out in the glasses with the whiskey thief, they'll kind of tell me like, hey, you know, these barrels are running about this proof, or sometimes we'll know exactly what the proof is, mm-hmm. um, and we'll add water kind of accordingly to try to get them down to... Uh, you know, what the bottling proof is going to be. If it was up to me, pretty much every barrel we buy would be uncut, unfiltered, you know, no water added to it, um, but a lot of distilleries want something, you know, kind of managing the proof on right. them, not picking them. How do dryness. they proof
2: them? How do they proof them in the barrel?
1: So with Bourbon, uh all you're doing is adding water. They're basically just adding their water right there on the property back down to get it down to that proof, what they desire. And it doesn't take a whole lot of water to cut down the proof, uh, but no other you know flavors or additives can be added for it to be bourbon that's right. another one of the regulations right. you know it's got to be uh they really wanted to make sure when they decided to make bourbon the native spirit you know of of our country they wanted to make sure they did it right and right. um you know there was things put in place to make sure they protected the integrity of the whiskey and what they were doing did, with did it did the
0: crown royal get in trouble for Tiptoeing on that at some point?
1: Well, I mean, Crown got in a little trouble, I think, with that. They had that bourbon mash bill yes. label that it came wrong. out. We, I mean, that, we mentioned that on yeah. the... On yeah, the, they put bourbon on the label.
0: Way episodes ago, over a year ago, we talked about that. Um, So, yeah, and they and they had to take it off. They couldn't do that, right? They had to put
1: a label over it stating that this was not... It's not bourbon. Okay, uh, but that lasted about a half a day in the market before they went back and made them change it. I'm not really sure how they got that passed from the TTB. Wow, as specific as those guys are, America, It's
0: bourbon yeah. It's ours. It's Taking ours. It That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Dang, Canadians. What? Uh, <laughs> so for you, what what is your ideal bourbon
1: uh, as far as a flavor profile, proof? Like, what are you looking for for your for yourself? So for me, you know, personally to drink, I'm a big fan of you know 100. 110 115 proof i I think that for me is it's a great proof because it's for me smooth enough to drink straight Uh, if i decide to put it over a little bit of ice or add a little water to it it's not getting too watered down i always tell people you know if you're buying higher proof a lot of people get nervous they get scared if they see especially above 110 proof i
0: just got my first 125 which that uh uh, full uh, 1792 what is that called full proof there you go okay and uh i was a little nervous yeah. but i'm like whoa we're, it'll we're sneak playing up with, on you a little playing bit. With fire here yeah. right so yeah
1: so you know the reason why they called that full proof is they're paying tribute to barrel entry proof being at 125 Okay, so they're cutting it back down so if you're picking a barrel for example to be 1792 full proof which i picked i picked another one back in january it'll be coming in here in probably another two months mm-hmm. uh they've got to make sure it's above 125 so right that's kind of one of the criteria you've got to let them know when you're going in like hey I want to go foolproof so they know to pick barrels above 125. Dang. Wow.
0: So so your 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 target is 115 ish
1: range. Yeah, 115 okay. kind of for me so that is kind of, you know, coming like right out of uh, you know, kind of the center of a tier. Uh, but again, you know, every barrel has its own magic. So I've tasted barrels, I'm like, "Oh, man, this is probably coming out the metal. It'll be up high, you know." And Right. Yeah. So it's there, there's so much to it and uh, I always tell people when they buy my single barrels like, don't go home and drink all of them. Save some for the next one. So as you get multiple ones side by side, you can sit and taste them right yeah. next to each other side by side. And you can really appreciate the flavor profile and the difference. I have my wife blind taste my bourbon all the time at home in my barrel picks. Just to go back and revisit them with no preconceived notion of, you know, the brand, the warehouse. Uh, I don't want to know anything. Like, when I'm picking the barrels at the Steeler, all I want to know is where I'm at. Right. What whiskey we're tasting. And, and that's it. I don't want to yeah. know any other blind. factors. No bias it's Going you in blind. Completely blind. Yeah. 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 Because if you get into, you know, I, I never forget when I went for Four Rose first and I had like a specific, you know, kind of recipe in mind mm-hmm. and, and the, which ended up being like my seventh favorite out of the 10 barrels. Wow. So you want to go in basing it off of what's the best whiskey in the glass. Like to me, what stands out the most, most unique flavor? It's not about the age. And I tell people, assuming the price, it's not about the price either. If you taste them blind, uh, people would be amazed what comes out as your favorite on top. I think, yeah. I
0: think they've done studies with wine, right? That the price really doesn't. correlate with people's favorites on blind taste testings. Um, I know there's some particular uh, people's palates, especially like people who judge wine. they I think they're more, you know, obviously California-based palate. And then some of these other wines that come from different places sometimes maybe score lower because they're not familiar with that or that's not what they're
1: looking for, right? If, if you, yeah, and, you know, when it comes to wine, people always ask me, like, what justifies a $10 bottle to $100 bottle? And I always tell people, for me, you know, and again, my personal, you know, we're here to help people whether you want $8 bottle or $800 right, bottle. Right, you're selling all of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we're here equally. We're going to put the same amount of time into helping you find the right style of what you like because everyone has a different flavor profile and preference. And that's my job is to help guide you in the right direction, especially as I get to know each customer and what they like. So I make the correct recommendations next time. So for me with wine, the problem I run into with like $10 bottles of wine, even the ones that are really good, I get bored as I'm drinking through the bottle because it tastes pretty much the same. If you're buying, at least in theory, it should be. If you're buying a more expensive bottle of wine, the winemaker has put more time into, you know, how that wine's going to evolve over time. So okay. as it ages, it's going to get better. So same thing as it's open, you get more oxygen in there. It's going to open up. The layers start to come out. Right. You know, it's probably going to have higher acidity, higher tannin levels. It's just going to have more complexity and character to it. So as I'm drinking through the bottle, I get to experience something different from the first glass to the last glass, hmm. which for me is a big part of price justification. Okay. Same thing I, with I never Samabitals. really thought about it kind yeah. of that
0: way. So that's cool to
1: hear. Yeah, you know, same when I pick out single barrels, I want to make sure it's not too far removed from what the original product is. Because you don't want somebody to go, this doesn't taste anything like what I was expecting. But I also want it to be like, if you taste it, you distinctly know that, hey, these are my hand Select single barrels. There's something special about these. They stand out. It doesn't taste just like every other Old Forester, you know, or Peerless or whatever the product may be on the shelf. Uh, And that's how I got so into it. Like I said, I got up there and I tasted the first set of Four Roses barrels and I couldn't believe the barrel variants. And since then i've tasted barrels you know that aged maybe eight barrels apart same days distillate, and had just different flavor profiles and that's, that's again that, that's that crazy. barrel yeah just barrel variants
0: you, you mentioned something that i've heard uh now that we're gonna get in trouble again for with a buddy of ours who was on the first bourbon one sydney who yeah. we, we wanted to get in here uh to be on this one but we had some scheduling things and this kind of happened quicker than i thought Um, he is a friend of ours who drank beer mostly. And then recently, last year or so, got into bourbons. And we talk about bourbons, text back and forth. He'll take some photos of what he's drinking. I'll send him some of my stuff. He's got a bunch. He, uh, He walked into it, started tasting some stuff, and... Grabbed a bottle, like a specific bottle, drank it, thought something of it. We, we recently had this discussion. Put it up and left it for like months and months and months. And now he's went through all these other bourbons, right? And then I came to this original bourbon that he had. And I, I said, hey, man, have you ever had this before? I really like it. It's like, yeah, I told you about that months and months ago. So because I mentioned it to him, he goes back and tastes it again. And he's texting me. He's like, man, I don't remember all these different flavors. But it's because his his palate has developed more. Because I think most of us start out drinking whiskeys or bourbons, like you said, in, in the early twenties or whenever you yeah. used to pick it up, Jack yeah, ground, and it's Jack man. Coke, and you're not paying attention to what you're actually drinking. You're not like actively yeah, trying to, on the to smell, to smell these bourbons or whatever. And so, like you said, I think you can come back to things as your palate develops and pick up different experiences from, from a uh, bourbon that you didn't get the first time.
1: Now I'll tell you two notes to that, you know, one, obviously palate development, your palate changes all the time. You know, if you had food with it, I mean, I sat outside, you know, getting off work and Sitting they're eating like a bag of chips drinking whiskey and it tastes totally different well, than it yeah, does you know or anything yeah exactly cigars um you get a totally different flavor profile you know it's so subjective just like with wine any day you open it up that bottle may be drinking differently than a different day right so with whiskey it's no longer going to age once it gets bottled that flavor profile is going to remain but once you open the stopper and you start letting some oxygen in there you're helping it those compounds start to open up i'll have a lot of people taste something especially high proof above 110 and maybe taste it right out the gate, like, ah, you know, it's a little too hot. I'm getting more alcohol, not really getting the flavor. Yeah. They'll put it up and come back to it, you know, maybe a couple weeks, month or two later, and they're like, Wow, I'm getting all these secondary flavors that I didn't get initially. Uh, so I always tell people when you're tasting whiskey the first time, first sip, no matter what the proof is, whether it's eighty or one twenty, it's gonna be a shock to your palate, right? Yeah. If the first thing you drink alcohol wise, it, it's gonna you're gonna feel it, right? You're gonna get some heat, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get some tingling. So you always have to have a couple sips. You've got to kinda dial your palate into the whiskey. And then I always tell people from there, once you get a couple sips in, then really sit down and focus on the flavor nuances. What are you smelling? What are you tasting? Um and then I always like to add a little bit of water. You know, I mean you don't have to necessarily have a an eyedropper for it. A lot of times <laughs> right. I'll use just a straw at home and just take a straw and just drop a few drops of water. And what that water will do is allow that whiskey to open up and break down the alcohol compounds and start getting more of those secondary flavors and aromas uh coming out. So you're not getting so alcohol forward. That's the reason why I like to use these Glenn Karen glasses when I'm tasting whiskey you know it kind of brings all the aromas in together okay. but it's not wide open you're not just getting all hit in the face with alcohol especially if you're drinking high proof whiskey and that's why you'll usually see whiskey tasters tasting out of some sort of tulip glass like this yep cuz you're honing in you're concentrating all the aromas but it's not overwhelming you either
0: i was at the bourbon house in new orleans uh, about a month or so ago and that's what they i got a flight and that's what they brought out three of them just like that so yeah you yeah, could sit cool. and taste the
1: same whiskeys you could probably taste three whiskeys at home and you know a glencairn and a standard rocks glass and had them mixed up and not know which one of which and probably couldn't easily identify the exact same whiskey between the two glasses yeah just because the way it hits your palate um let's talk a little bit about what we what you brought
0: here it may be hard for people to see on the camera and obviously if you're listening on the podcast you're not going to be able to see it but let's talk about some of the stuff that you brought in here you got it here in the back panel here
1: yeah so let me kind of take you through a little bit so uh like i said i picked my hundredth barrel you know this past year in january uh Last year, I picked forty-seven barrels. Last year alone, so you can see the progression over the last six years. Now it's uh, started off with you know a barrel then a couple, right? And then like <laughs> hey, you need to go find a few more. <laughs> and then it was like oh here we are, right? Almost at fifty last year. Yeah. Uh, so all throughout the year, we'll have different barrel selections. Uh, so right now, I've got you know these basically four bourbons, two ryes, and one tequila. and okay. I've got more being bottled every day. So kind of take you through my current lineup. So I've got, this is uh, Old Scout, 107. So this is labeled as American whiskey, not bourbon. These were actually two bourbons that um, some is from Tennessee, some is from Indiana. They married together. Which automatically cancels them out from being a bourbon, right? Can't be a bourbon, right? So technically it was still bourbon before they blended them. Right, but once you blend, that's when you... They still could call it bourbon if they wanted to, but they wanted to have a distinction in their products. Like I've got some bourbon barrels coming from them as well. So just kind of distinguish the blending compared to being single because they're still bourbons. Okay. Um, just not to get too far off. Site, right, 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 But like with Maker's Mark, for example, when Maker's Mark Forty Six first came out, so Bill Samuels, who's now retired after his son Rob runs the silery, but uh, you know Bill, really charismatic guy. I got to meet him, you know, quite a few years ago and host an event for him, uh, and he was telling me basically, long story short, with Maker's Forty Six. He realized in 50 years he didn't really accomplish anything except for not screwing up his dad's recipe. And he wanted something more to leave <laughs> yeah, behind yeah. his legacy than that on his tombstone, as he said.
2: So he wanted to branch out on his own. Little yeah, bit. you know,
1: he, he was like, "Well, how do you do that for you know 50 years? We've told people Maker's Mark. It's right. It's it's not too old. It's around six years old. It's wheat. It's you know a little bit lower proof. It it's all these things that make Maker's Mark what it is." Um, so we came up with Maker's 46. Basically, he was tasting through different stave variations. He wanted to finish it in. And when he found the stave 46, well, it was a French stave, you know, so in his mind, it's like, well, now all of a sudden it's not bourbon, right? If we use a secondary stave, but what they came back and said is, look, it, it's bourbon before you secondary aged it. So you're not, it's still bourbon because okay. it already meant all the requirements become bourbon. You just secondary secondary stave aged it to finish it. Um and so he got
0: something a little unique to himself, Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? Got a unique, and now you see bourbons finished and, you know, wine casks and all sorts of things. Yeah. You know, but when Makers 46 first came out, really you didn't really see much secondary finishing of bourbons. Well,
0: they're, are they, they're doing wine now in bourbon
1: yeah, yeah, bottles. Yeah, i got a bottle yeah. of that at the house, and it's good. Yeah. It's a lot really of that, good. You pick up a lot of that richness, you know, yes. and a lot of that. You get a little higher alcohol content because, again, as you age something in a barrel— whatever you had in there initially is trapped in the wood right there might be yeah another gallon trapped in there so you've got if it was whiskey originally you've got that bourbon age you know locked into the barrel when you age the wine it washes out and vice versa okay uh so if you're doing a wine aged barrels, you get more richness if you're going the other way and you're doing a bourbon aged in wine barrels um you're going to get taste more fruit and get those flavor profiles coming out that you find in wine so it's just kind of a neat way to add on another dimension and, and level to bourbon some people love it. Some people are against well, it. But it's, again, it's, it's a, a subjective so thing, thing too, the, right? You're
2: going to age it in a bourbon barrel then take it out of that barrel and put it into a, what did you say it was to begin with?
1: Yeah. So these, this, you know what this one? Yeah. So these guys actually blend whiskeys from, in this particular product from Indiana and Tennessee. So they, I think this one was 11 barrel lot. Uh, they tasted them, blended them and they re them and then they aged it, you know, at their, on their facility in oh, West so that, Virginia. When they
2: mix it, that's when they put it back into the other barrel. Right. They and and then they put it back, back in there for,
1: you know, about six okay. months and yeah. I went up there and tasted them. I actually picked this in the middle of a snowstorm. Nice, uh, yeah, West Virginia, where smooth amblers is out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Not the easiest place to get to. I've drove there twice now. And uh, <laughs> when I haven't you got to earn that bottle. Man, yeah. For sure. yeah, yeah. I told like him, said, look, if I come here again, it's below zero and snowing, I'm done. <laughs> yeah.
0: You should put a picture of you up there in that snowstorm, like yeah. and tape it to that bottle and have it in the store Freezing so you know what you went through to I get almost it, right? was
1: going to call it something uh, something to do with snowstorm, you know. Yeah. Or, uh yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was uh, it blizzard. was a little chilly out there. We got up there; it was four degrees with the wind chill. And uh, by the time we got out to the warehouse, started tasting, started snowing so you couldn't see the next warehouse over. Yeah, it's probably about negative fifteen with the wind chill, So no, had to earn you. that one for sure. Yeah, yeah, you earned it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I've got a couple of five year old plus aged bourbons coming out from these guys. We'll start getting in the next few weeks. Okay. Uh, the next one up is Kentucky Peerless. So this is going to be a rye whiskey. So the predominant grain is going to be rye, not bourbon. Uh, so kind of earlier we talked about the. R- One of the main regulations to become bourbon, you got to be 51% corn. This is going to be at least 51% rye. Okay. Secondary notes of corn and malted barley.
0: That's one of the rye whiskeys is what I've tasted one or two, and it was a little sweeter than what I liked, but I haven't tried enough to know whether or not I'm into it
1: or not. So yeah. And you know, for me, like I always tell people, people always ask me, right, what do you drink at home? And I'm like, well, I've picked a (laughs) hundred barrels now and I've got everyone open at home. So for me, uh, and again, with the same thing I talked about with wine earlier, not to be not to get bored with it and keep my palate excited. Moving around. Yeah, there's okay. no reason to have the same drink back to back. So very seldom will I have the same pour two nights in a row or even two. You know, I usually don't have more than one at a time, but if I'm gonna have multiple, very seldom will it be the same bourbon I'm gonna sit and drink throughout the night, I'll sit and taste through a variety of different ones. I so. don't think
0: I've ever seen that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. So other than somebody like at a restaurant take tasting flights, so you're gonna say at home, you're gonna mix one or have you know, over over a glass of ice or something like that. Drink that and then go to the next one. Yeah. I mean, that's for cool. me, what, cool. what's
1: the reason to sit and drink the same one? You know, unlike a bottle of wine, once you open it, you're pretty much committed to finishing it. You've got a day or two, yeah. but it's not going to be the same with whiskey. You're going to get a little bit of that oxidation opening up. But for the most part, it's not It's not going bad. It's not drastically changing. So why have the same drink back to back? Yeah. And I make cool. cocktails at home, you know, old fashions. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I make smoked old fashions. I like Manhattans. I recently played around with a little oak barrel I got and did a barrel-aged Boulevardiers. What is that? So sounds cool. You ever yeah. heard of a uh, a Negroni? <laughs> sounds fancy. No. Okay, so a Negroni is a gin-based cocktail. A Boulevardier, you just switch out gin for bourbon. So of course, when I first saw it on the menu, I was like, "Yeah, sign me up." Okay. A gin yeah. like
0: a mule. When you put bourbon in for a mule, obviously not the same. Yeah, things, it's it taking instead. a traditional yeah. drink and mixing bourbon in with it. Yeah.
1: So Boulevardier is uh, is bourbon. I like to use high rye bourbon. The the barrel aged one I did at home. I actually used my Four Roses, which was a high rye bourbon. 100 proof. Joey's um, recently on the four yeah, roses train. Yeah, I'm on a little four, on four roses yeah, I, It's not I'm bad. A, I'm, a, I'm a huge four roses yeah, fan. I, I pick good. more barrels from those guys than anybody. So I yeah. yeah. can't wait for these next two to roll in here in the next, uh, hopefully the next two weeks they will be in. Uh, but I did. So I took this little barrel. I dumped in two bottles of bourbon of my four roses single barrel. I dumped in a bottle of um, Capoletti, which is a uh, like a semi-bitter Italian liqueur. And then I dumped in a bottle of uh, Cokie Sweet Vermouth. So 100 ounces went into this barrel. I let it age at my house for 21 days on my bar, and you know, kept tasting it. Yeah, got it to where I wanted it. So again, you know, that, a little bit of swelling in the oak, marrying all the flavors together, um, and then I bottled it. And a little off track here, but my bottling, I actually had 20 percent yield loss. Start with Angel Share, even that little oak barrel in your in your house, in wow, my house, not in your. Garage. I lost 20 ounces. Damn. and that's climate control at climate control yeah. and i soaked the barrel for a week you know those and dumped it bro, multiple times they <laughs> they get, like, a lot. Dude, that's <laughs> why i call it spirits i don't yeah. know when you've got something good they uh, they might get a little yeah. greedy there, there right? you go. Yeah. but it was just kind of a fun variation on a cocktail at home now if i want to go make one i just you know i keep the big two by two cubes i'll drop on the glass pour that over it and yeah uh, you know uh, that fresh peach so orange awesome. and question
0: popped in my head do you, you like to use the cubes i know some people say no ice and use the uh what are those like the are they metal? metal whiskey stones. Yeah. There you, you go.
1: It's preference. I have this conversation every day also with people. <laughs> you know, for me, it's all about what I'm in the mood for. You know, sometimes you want to go home and maybe drink something really big, right? Maybe a big high proof, you know, something 120 plus like Knob Creek single barrels that I pick, something big and robust. Some days you want something more mellow like this old Forester. Here's one of my favorites. I want something soft. But sometimes you want to take that bigger flavor profile and just cut it down a little bit, just dial it yeah. down. So those big two by two square cubes are my favorite. They don't melt melt too quick. You know, if you pour a double over one, uh, let it open up some. Yeah. It, and you can uh, get
0: that equipment off of Amazon to make those cubes, right? Yeah. You yeah. Just, order, yeah cheap, just a standard, like
1: a little six pack of, of yep. square cubes you make at home, keep in your freezer. Uh, and I've got whiskey stones. Sometimes I use those. You use I can't some,
2: ever keep them cold. The, I stones. mean, like the first time I'd make a drink in Oh, they're, yeah. Yeah. They, they don't last warm, very long. They don't last yeah. long.
1: Yeah. At all. yeah, yeah. I mean, one me. one drink, if you're lucky, like you said, those, I, right. I, I, I use them on slight occasion. Um, I've even chilled the glass, you know, over trying to use the stones if I wanted to go just a chilled. Do you like to chill bourbon? Like, actually put it in the freezer at all? Uh, I never do personally. Okay. Okay. I'm either drinking it, you know, room temperature straight or again, like I said, over ice or, you know, making a cocktail. I would
0: think colder would maybe make it have less taste,
1: right? It's just holding everything in. So that, you know, when I'm up tasting barrels and it's freezing cold, uh, that's another part of the problem. You You can't wear gloves. You got to wear, you got to be able to warm the whiskey with your hands. Now, I will tell you, like, when I picked this one, I mean, when you're up there and it's, you know, negative 15 ish with the wind chill, it, uh, It's a little much trying to warm the whiskey up. You know, eventually I couldn't feel my hands anymore and uh so I okay, had to go to, to take a timeout guy. You know, yeah. Just oh, trying to hold yeah. it in my mouth to warm it up. But again, I wanted to make sure I was able to get the flavor profiles correct. I take it real serious when I go up there, you know, I take notes on everything, I spit everything out. Yeah. Um like I said, for me, it's a big deal to go out and find the right barrel, of something special for all my yeah. for all my customers to that's enjoy. That's awesome, man. So, I, hope, I
0: hope people can appreciate what he's what you're saying yeah. there, man. That's 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 a lot of work rather than just sitting there and ordering something, right? Yeah, yeah, you know,
1: I think a lot of people take things from sample kits too. They might send you in three samples, you just taste one and pick it that way. But to me, you know, the commitment for me is uh, from you know my customers are committed to coming to see me over yeah. all the other stores out there. So for me, I feel I owe them that commitment to make the trip make yeah. the trip up. There. The I drove I drove the first uh, man I don't know almost thirty times going up there. Uh-huh. And I've just recently started flying just to I don't <laughs> spend so much time away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, away from the kids and business and everything. So um but I love going up there. It never gets old, you know, meeting these guys. I've been fortunate to taste with almost every master distiller, you know, that's been around the last mm-hmm. seven or eight years, you know, Jimmy and Eddie Rutledge at Wall Turkey. Um,
0: that's cool to know him by uh, name. Yeah. Jimmy, yeah. The did, bar Jimmy Eddie Lady Russell.
1: And, uh, you know, Jim Rutledge at Four Roses was the original master seller. Now, Brent Elliott, who's been there quite a few years. I've been really fortunate to taste with all these guys, you know, and hear yeah, the stories that's... firsthand. Like talking to Jimmy up at Wild Turkey, you know, he's like, look, you know, f- all these years we've had such a hard time getting people to want to taste bourbon. And we just kept panning to him, like, have another one, you'll grow to like it. You know, and here we are 40 years later. Yeah, fucking you know, no, paid bour- off. Bourbon's on top of the world. It but, really uh, is.
0: It really has in the past, what? How, would you say five
1: yeah definitely five i mean you know maybe seven eight but really right. the last five years for sure yeah i think there's um, all these lifestyle brands that promote it and have it in their photos and stuff like that a big deal. You know, yeah, it you creates know. awareness is what i'm getting at yeah. and people get so caught up on brand names and I'm like, look you got to get caught up on flavor profile like what do you like and, right uh, there's so much out there i, and I think I,
0: people don't know and i think they don't know to, to ask that because i know i wasn't no. i just gonna go in there and buy the thing yeah, that buy I, what I want right. to drink you know? and go home You know, that's why uh, you do a lot of uh, bourbon uh, tastings, which is a good thing, right? To get people an opportunity to come in and try some stuff.
1: I do. I try to, uh, I mean, I love getting out and doing them. For me, it's a time issue mostly, but like we're doing tomorrow night over at the district in Gulfport, we're doing a bourbon and cigar pairing. Yes, yes. Um, You know, we do different wine dinners or places. So I I love getting out there and doing them. For me, like I said, it's just kind of a time constraint with uh, being a small business owner Uh, and and husband and dad, so... But so I love it.
0: What do we got going back over here to your uh, to your wall here? We got the...
1: Uh, so in the middle here is going to be uh, Old Forrester single barrel. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be one that's cut down to proof. Uh, so it's 90 proof. So when, I, when I'm when i picking somebody who knows me cut down that low in proof, uh, I'll usually request them to find me more flavorful barrels. Or when I taste them, I'm looking for ones that have got bigger flavors. So when we cut them with water, uh, they don't get thin on the back end. Right, right. Uh, and what I really like about this one, like I went to a Mardi Gras event the other night, and that's what I took with me. A ton of flavor, you know, take a cup. Fill it up with ice and uh, you know pour it, good five go. or six ounces in there and oh yeah. yeah enjoy the evening. Uh, and then the next one here, if people can see it, so this is Whistle Pig. So these guys are actually in Vermont. Uh, Dave Pickerell, who recently passed away, this was his kind of baby project up there. I hear Whistle Pig a lot when yeah. people start talking about bourbons. We just on your re- website a ton. Yeah, yeah, we just recently got him in Mississippi in the fall, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been talking to these guys for four or five years now about picking a barrel out. So they agreed. I got to actually pick. If you can, uh, if you can turn it around, you can kind of see the yeah. back label there yeah. for people that are watching it.
2: Oh yeah. So uh, yeah. my dad, my see dad see does it, the artwork on the
1: labels. So that's uh, when pigs fly because we finally got it here in Mississippi. Okay. So we try to have a little fun. We always try to have a label that kind of relates to uh, either that's the flavor cool. profile or something special about the bottling. Uh, so this is actually a little over 11 years old. Cash strength at 115.3, um, and it is one. It's got a lot of big flavors. So rye, you're going to get more spice, more baking spices. Um, some people find rye to have a little bit of kind of dry astringentness to it. For me, this particular one, I'm a big fan of drinking this in a double over a big cube of ice. Okay. Um, yeah. That,
0: again, like I said, I, like I want to get, in, get into the ryes. I just haven't yet. It's, yeah. It's, yeah,
1: it's, it's just, just a different flavor profile. You know, wheat, you're going to get softer. Rye, you're going to get more spice. And I've got a lot of customers that are making cocktails and said so they really enjoyed it with this as well. because It's got such a big flavor profile. Okay. Um, and then the last one over here is uh, actually a tequila barrel I picked out. Maestro DoBell uh, Diamante. It is actually a reposado tequila. So reposado means age under one year, usually six to nine months, and then it's filtered back out clear. So what I thought was kind of cool, and this has got a specific um French oak finish and everything. But what I liked about it when I tasted when I had the opportunity, I've had a few consumers ask about doing other barrels. I did a rum barrel last year and uh, I'm a bourbon drinker, but I'm having a little bit of fun kind of finding yeah, some other unique things. Out. Yeah. Um, so I tasted these samples and I really like this one. And matter of fact, I tried it uh Tasted it straight, and actually I had my wife taste it as well, and she really enjoyed, for the same reason I did with this one, it had kind of a nice creaminess to it because it's Reposado, so it's barrel-aged like bourbon. Mm -hmm. Um, And most other products worldwide are aged and used bourbon barrels because you can only use them once. Right. So kind of touched on earlier being, you know, one-time use. So they send them out all over the world for everything else to age in. I got you. And then they filter back out clear. So what you get is this kind of nice mid-palate structure, creaminess to it, a little bit of spice, and then it's just really clean and crisp on the back end. Uh, and we actually tried it straight, you know, tried it over ice and actually just tried it with a squeeze of fresh lime. And it just made a really nice, I could see making some really killer refreshing yeah. cocktails with it
0: i think tequila around here most people think of the stuff they go in and get at, at a restaurant that's you know low end, <laughs> more low guy. end stuff it's either mixed yeah. with a ton of sugar and oh, I just make margaritas. Margaritas. Yeah. right and no, that's a thing and that's fun yeah but i have had some what, what i guess i would call more top shelf and higher end uh even higher end margaritas are, are really good uh but tequila that's 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 another good uh, something to try if you're looking for something yeah. new you know what i mean and don't don't think of it yeah i've had tequila before like there's other stuff out there that you it's different flavor profiles
1: that, right. you know, go give it a shot. I tell people they're sipping tequila and they're like, "Now I can't be. And I'm like, no, right. there's, there's tequilas you actually would drink. you drink drinking a Glen Karen or a Snifter, you know, that have got that flavor complexity. They're, you know, uh, extra-aging Yeho's they are a couple years old where they really get that secondary yeah. flavor from the barrel.
0: <laughs> I think most people think
1: of tequila. It's, the, it's that last shot at about 3 a.m. Uh. Let's do a shot. At, and then that ends up I don't even night. want to look yeah. at it. That's
0: different. That's
2: <laughs> a whole different ballgame. Which, of course, you
1: can, which you can get into that same trouble with, that with any product. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: Young and dumb. So you got two out front here
1: uh, that we we talked about we're going to we're gonna uh, actually taste. And uh, what are these two here? So these two, so this one's kind of a, a fun one right here. So this is uh, Town Branch. These guys are a small distillery out of Lexington, Kentucky, kind of okay. up in the northeast. Uh, they've only done a couple of barrels nationwide, mainly with big uh, Kentucky retailers. So the guy who's the rep down in this area, he's been buying my barrel picks the last year or so. Really likes what I'm doing. Appreciates my palate and uh, basically got me in to go up there and pick some barrels. So got to pick the first barrel is from Mississippi so the back you can kind of see we've got this yep. custom uh Myzano's first barrel sticker uh this one's also cash strength at uh at 56 or 112 proof um and I won't tell you more about the player profile. We'll kind of taste okay, it and see what, see what you guys out. think. So
2: the, um, you don't only se- – I mean, you sell these out to other people, right? J- your barrel picks, not only do you sell them in your store, but you sell them out to other people We do. Well.
1: There's actually uh, quite a few bars and restaurants all on the Gulf Coast that you can find our barrels at. So if you go in, you see, you know, hand-select barrel, especially if you see Mizano's on the menu. it's uh, If it just says single barrel, it's probably likely coming from us, but definitely if it says Mizano's. Uh, White Pillars buys all of our barrel picks, Mosaic okay. and Downtown. I don't think no, I, I realized that. we Wilbur. yeah um, yeah, I mean, we've got, and then, you know, we've got a lot of bars and restaurants all over you some of the casinos that put my hand selects behind the bar when they're looking for something. That's got to feel good. That's got to feel good. Yeah. It it makes it, uh, makes it a lot of fun and it gives people the opportunity to go out and taste them. Right. Um, you know, in a smaller portion. Right. And have some fun with them as well.
0: Yeah. And then what did we, did we talk about this one?
1: So then the second one here is Elijah Craig. So this one's cut to proof also to 94. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you notice it's, Everything, so on all of our bottles, it'll always say Mizano somewhere on the label. This one's kind of small, but it says Mizano's aged 11 plus years. So mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly sure when they are going to get around to bottling this one and what the age was going to be. I knew it'd be close to 12. By the time it actually got bottled, it ended up being 12 and a half years old. So here, a lot we'll talk about the old- It's at know. least 11. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's <laughs> at least 11 for sure. You know, whatever the youngest whiskey- In the bottle is, you got to have on the label. So if you're doing a blend, if you're going to put the age, you have to have the youngest labeled on there. I got you. Uh, So this has got a lot of big, rich flavor. Uh, Even though the the proof um, is lower in that one, I think we're going to taste the Town Branch first. Okay. Just because it kind of has more nuances to it, where the Elijah Craig's going to have more kind of big, rich One of the things that you mentioned
0: I want to ask before we we taste these, Um, give us a little bit about the difference between 4 years, 8 years, 12 years, 15, and on up. Obviously, it's numerically different, but what does that do... As far as the pl- flavor profiles for these uh, bourbons.
1: Yeah. So every year it goes by, you know, you're going through more of those hot and cold seasons. You're getting more push and pull in and out of the barrel. Um, so essentially you're getting more evaporation, you're getting more concentration of flavor, which isn't always a good thing. Right. Uh, I've had a lot of older whiskeys that were just too much, you know, I won't, okay. I won't name any in my brand, but I've had some that people are like, you know, can't wait to get their hands on, you know, some of these 18 year old plus bourbons and they're just, they're so oak forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, you lose all the other nuances and, um, you lose all the complexities and the special flavors, especially what I'm looking for in single barrels. So again, subjectivity though, right? Some people may say that's all that I, that is what I want. Right. right? And I, now in the same token, I've also had some killer, you know, 20 year plus bourbon. So it's all about the way that particular barrel interacts with the whiskey. Um, and again, it's not, uh, you know, just like wine, not everything's meant to age, you know, Mm -hmm. in bottle and whiskey, not everything's meant to age too long in barrel, a lot of master soldiers, if you ask them, will probably tell you more of like, you know, 7 to 10, 12 years maybe is, is really kind of the sweet spot. Yeah. Where you still get, you still can taste the mash bill, you know, and the white dog going in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you still get those secondary complexities from the barrel, but it's not all wood that you're getting.
0: Okay. let stop dive um, in. 7 to 10 so years. Out. That's the sweet I spot. I think
1: that's a, good, a pretty good range. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And again like i said i've I've picked some barrels out that were just a couple years old that were outstanding so yeah. it's all about finding that that barrel variance and uh one that stands out
0: well if people are listening to this or the people that are listening to this i would say would you agree with this statement it's like look get out of your comfort zone a little bit try something new and if you're into bourbons and even if you're not maybe you've never had them before and you think you you know don't like them or whatever uh they can come in your store and you can, you can point them in the right direction and kind of help them stick one foot in the pool. Maybe you Yeah, kind of ease their way in.
1: You know, for me that that's my passion is getting the opportunity to, to talk to people, find out what you like. And, you know, and I'll, and I'll be honest, you know, nine out of 10 people can't describe why they right. like what they like or, right. or, or what it is they like about it. Um, that, that's my job is to kind of help decipher that. So as long as you can give me some kind of starting points of things you've had that you really liked and a couple of things maybe you had that you disliked and mm-hmm. a little bit about why, we can kind of start that journey together of me helping you yeah. find new products to and enjoy. I, I know
0: just from my experience, you know, your first time trying something new, you don't have context really, maybe. So it's going to take a little while if, if you got, you know, if you keep trying it to figure out, oh, okay, wow, now I really understand the difference between this type of bourbon or this brand or this age or whatever uh, flavor profile and, and then figure out what you do like.
1: Yeah. It's no different than food. You know, if you're, to me, if you're trying a new food for the first time, like you want to go somewhere like where they specialize in making that type of cuisine, not where right. it's like an afterthought, you right, know, a buffet right. because you're not getting a true experience of what that is. Yeah. Uh, same thing I tell people, if you're just starting out with wine, you don't want to sit and drink, you know, a big, maybe high alcohol Cabernet or something big and full body, like in the middle of July in the afternoon at a picnic, right? right? It's <laughs> not that right, right, the right. circumstances aren't lining you up for success there right. that you're going to enjoy it. It's same thing with whiskey. I always you know, you don't necessarily want to start off big, high proof, you know, big Oak forward, uh, you kind of got to build yourself up to it. So we we try to start build up maybe on wheat bourbons or something a little bit lower in proof. You know, maybe around ninety. Yeah. See what you think, and then kind of go from there and grow what you're looking for. Yeah.
0: All right. What? It t- walk us through the the, the uh, you yeah. know uh, How does taste this in this process. Yeah. Take I know. Put some air in it, right? So, yeah. You want to get around. a
1: little, little air, but you also not like a you know glass of wine when you're smelling it. You're kind of taking big deep breaths. Mm-hmm. With whiskey you kind of want to have more short short bursts. It'll tell you kind of like a dog, right? You don't want to over. You don't want to fry your Okay. Your senses I think because I whiskey mine. is, 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 <laughs> yeah. is high. So you want to kind of go a little bit, a little bit more subtle, you know, kind of pass back and forth. You kind of want to hit both sides of your nose. you the different sides of your nose pick up, uh, because your connection to your brain, different aromas. Okay. Um, that
2: is, that's crazy.
1: So do you want me to kind of take you through what yes. I get out yep. of this? So, yep. you know, so for me right up front, I get, uh, you get some of that sweet caramel. You I, definitely did get I, that. I did that. smell yeah. sweet. You get that, you know, that barrel flavor. But I also get some dark fruit in this one. Some, I get some dark cherry. Just something that you get the oak, but it's not all oak forward there. It's not all brown sugar caramel.
0: I, I, I stopped at sweet. That's about as far as I can take it right now.
1: I get the little vibrancy in there on the nose.
0: Smells really good. I can tell you that.
1: So then from there, you know, on the, when you go to taste it, you want to take a little bit in and then kind of draw it across your palate, kind of bring some air across it. Um, and you know, get it all around your mouth. And like I said, you you don't want to judge too much on the first sip because you're getting, it's going to be, you know, it's 112 proof. We kind of want to get your palate accustomed to it and then go back for the second sip and then kind of go from there, what you're tasting. Small sip. Yeah. Just a small sip. Just enough to kind of go over your palate.
0: Okay. The sweet caramel, I can
1: definitely
2: pick I d- that up. Yeah, it tastes that for sure.
1: You know, so for me, I mean, obviously not my first time drinking this one. Right. Um, I really like it. It's unique. I get, like I said, I get that kind of sweetness up front. I get some dark cherry. And then kind of after that fruit dissipates, um, maybe even a little black raspberry, I kind of get like this roast coffee note. Yeah. And then on the back end, there's something that really stood out to me in this barrel. There's almost like a little bit of... Uh, like a refreshing, almost like a spearmint spice. Yeah, like just
2: hints, it's like, sitting like in the middle of my tongue, right? You know, kind of when you have something like <laughs> yeah. with some some wintergreen,
1: like, you kind of get that refreshing. Yeah. after. like I just brushed my teeth. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just a just a hint. But of it, it takes time. Yeah, for that to it's set. It's got to grow. It's weird. It's kind of cool. Like I said, you you get that kind of sweetness up front, and then you kind of get this dark complexity, uh, and then it kind of goes into this just kind of a cool, lingering, refreshing spice note in there. Yeah, you're not gonna get that That's if you
0: crazy. smash it with Coke and drink no, it real quick no, 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 in a, no, 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 no. a barroom setting. So this is definitely a different
1: approach. Yeah, and like I said, it's just, for me, it's fun to find those nuances. Um, and there's different days you may go back and re-taste this, like I said, and get right. different flavors and aromas out of it. Yeah, I like
2: it. The second sip's better. Like you were saying. That's good. It's really good.
1: I, said, I was really excited to get to be... Uh, not only the first in Mississippi, but one of the few around the country to have barrels from Town Branch. Um, unfortunately, we're already sold out of it, but on the same trip, when I picked this back in November, I picked out a malt whiskey. Okay. Um, so it was all malted barley, and there's so no corn or rye or anything. They just happened to let me taste some barrels. I tasted one and said, oh man, I love this. Yeah. I think I'd like to buy it. And they said, well, you, you can't buy this particular barrel. Like, well, <laughs> so why, do you, what do you mean? Why do you yeah, Let me yeah, have it. I'm yeah. Right? yeah. And they're like, well, it's a really short, for, for whatever reason, most of the whiskey evaporated out of this particular barrel. So this barrel of malt whiskey we got in only yielded 40 bottles, oh, which is yeah. ridiculous. It was eight oh. and a half years old, also cash strength. You're um, going to sell
0: that for a nice little nickel, huh?
1: Well, it actually was the same price as this one. Um, we sold it. It was a one-bottle limit per customer. We sent it out by email, and basically that was the one we sold it, and it was gone a couple of days. But I wanted to get it in front of the right people. Again, it yeah. wasn't bourbon. It was a malt whiskey. Okay. Uh, there's a couple here in the U.S., like Stranahan's and Rua. It's kind of the American version of drinking scotch. It was just kind of a cool whiskey, something unique. Um so I get to have some fun and pick out some f- fun things like that along yeah. the way as well.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: I like it. I give that one a thumbs yeah, up.
2: Yeah, that's was good. That 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 little spearmint or whatever it meant, whatever that tingle is on the tongue, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, I try to be careful kind of describe it to people because sometimes they yeah, get- Yeah, it's, not, they, it's they, not spearmint. Yeah, it's but just, they get nervous. Right. You know, like it's just this hint. Yeah. Um, right. I picked a Knob Creek Rye Barrel last year and I named it Cinnamon Spice Bomb. And uh, caught a lot of backlash over yeah. the cinnamon thing. Cause yep. are, oh, it's like fireball. Like, no, no, that's not even, it <laughs> yes. never even crossed my mind. Because yep. when you get rocks, you get a lot of baking spices. And, um, Anyway, so What's kind, your, of a, your, kind of a kind of a lesson. A little there. quick
0: aside note here. What's your take on all the flavored whiskeys and stuff like that? With the with the Crown roll Peach and the Apple and the, I mean, are you in any of that? For um, me, it's not. I, I haven't been able really to get into it.
1: Not for me. I mean, it's not something I'm going to go home and drink. Yeah, but I, right. I do taste them. I mean, I taste a couple of days a week, you know, at work because I want to. I need to know, right? Like, if you're coming and tell me you like this, like, what is it about and why uh, someone's gravitate toward that. Um, but there's a place for everything you know for me at least it's getting people opportunity to taste something whiskey right Uh, and then maybe there if you graduate into cocktails you know if you get some good mixologists um that's an art in and of itself, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it, it's a big difference between making a Jack and Coke and sitting and making a proper Manhattan. I, I've, been, yeah. I've been to and places
0: and a lot around here that, you know, mm-hmm. great bartenders. And then you go to what something like what you would call maybe a mixologist or something. The guy is just different. And there was one in Hattiesburg, uh, a particular bartender, and he just did all kind of extra stuff, little extra things. And when he'd make you a drink, it was like, Jesus, man, this is, this is different. Yeah. Very different.
1: Yeah. And it makes a big difference. You're know, using quality ingredients. And that's a uh, so, kicker, too. Most of the places you're going to see hand-slip Bourbons being served, especially if it's a lot of them, yeah. they've got pretty strong people behind the bar. They've made yeah. some really good cocktails, having some fun with it, doing something different. And they also know too, like when they taste it like this, how to accent those flavors with maybe the right bitters or vermouth when you're making a cocktail I love and kind of build yeah. on that. So that's all awesome.
2: cool.
0: So should we rinse this with a little water, or do you just go right into the next one? How do you normally like to do it?
1: Um. We'll just, we'll go ahead and go into the next that's one. Fine. Yeah, yeah so it. the next one will be a little bit lower proof, but it's, again, you know, over twice the age and you're a lot more oak richness. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll just go ahead and pour yeah, on to the next good. one. We'll so a little bit more about this one. So there was 217 bottles we got of this particular barrel. So, like i said there's a lot of fluctuation when you're going cash strength you know i've gotten barrels like i said i picked one and only had 40 barrels 40 bottles on that barrel how so. much you normally
0: put in there i don't want to pour it I don't, you want me to yeah do it. If you don't mind I'll pour it just yeah, a little if bit if you don't mind that's pretty good we're gonna be here for a yeah. minute boys
1: we gotta figure it yeah, out Yeah, to the next episode
0: yep exactly um while you're doing that i got another question for you sure. uh, storage at home okay obviously it's going to be inside in your uh air-conditioned hopefully home right does light because I've, I've, I've recently joined some Facebook groups of some whiskey bourbon people. Does light matter as much? Is that getting a little too technical? I mean, I mean,
1: it's always better to have less light, right? Less light, less heat, whether it be wine or whiskey. It's still so heat more important than light, is that yeah? I mean, it's still going to affect it long term a little bit. Okay. Um, again, it's more subtle in whiskey than it is in wine. I mean, I've like my, my prized bottle of whiskey at home is a 1979 wild turkey. In a crystal can that my dad bought back in 1979 from our family store in Connecticut. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. So like that's what I got when I turned 21, and that's what I drink. You know, my birthday's Christmas Eve, and I'll usually have a pour. I drink it real sparingly. You know, yeah. anniversaries to the store, uh, and that whiskey tastes delicious. Dude, that's um, awesome.
2: Put together Christmas gifts.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which. Uh, as the years have gone by for the children, it's uh, definitely not something you want to have too high-proof bourbon. So <laughs> yeah. i learned that lesson the hard way, especially if you got something with like 100 different decals you're putting on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's you good to see. You've got to be up at daylight on yeah. the 25th, you know? Yeah, that's cool. All right, so what do we got here? All right, so next up, this is the most recent Elijah Craig single barrel at Mizano's. Um, again, it's aged, it says 11 plus years, but it's actually about 12 and a half years old. So right away in this one, you get more oak, you get more of that, you know, brown sugar, wood spice, the brown sugar. There you go. And again, yeah. that's, I mean, that's all that extra maturation. I was going to say there, it's you know. more caramelly. Brown sugar is a better way to say that. Usually we taste by proof, but because we're just tasting these two and kind of wanted to show you guys the difference between something a little bit younger, but get you a lot of complexity to it and something that's got more age.
0: It's cool for me to have someone like you though, to be able to say that. Cause again, yeah, I was being funny, but I really would, in my mind, I said that's more caramelly. But when yeah. you said brown sugar, then boom, it's like, that's what it is. It's brown sugar.
2: Just have somebody yeah, to point it out. Well. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what
0: I'm saying. And point it out. I know when I got some of the flights at the bourbon house, they kind of give you some of the f- c- flavors the that details. you could, tr- you know, taste yeah. or whatever. And for me, that helped a little bit
1: too. Yeah. So for me, you know, I'm always kind of, always kind of leery about giving too much information. I, I understand. I, I hate of the proof too because a lot of people get turned off. But they're, oh, it's going to be hot. You know, like, well, just taste it first. You know. Right. So a lot of times I like to give people just basic information, let them taste it um, and then kind of see what they think and then kind of walk them through the process and explain why. Um,
2: it is what it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and what makes that stand out. And again, for me, you know, with this one, most of my lives, Craig's have picked have been on the younger side. The last one was just under nine years old because I like the vibrancy. This particular one, I thought it had nice oak richness, but it wasn't again overpowering. Okay. Um, have and, we jumped it, in yet?
0: Has anybody jumped in? Haven't no, so. jumped in. So,
1: but again, for me, that's all. It's all about uh, tasting through the barrels and finding the right one, and the way those specific complexities and flavors are.
2: That's totally different. It's got totally different days. That's smooth.
1: I got to look back on the proofs again. So just a little bit. So 94 on the Elijah Craig, 112 on the Town Branch. Of course, there you go. And like I said, normally I would taste based off of proof, uh, but because we're kind of in a shorter time frame here, and I wanted to kind of, I was afraid if we tasted this Elijah Craig first, that the oak richness would take away from those nuances of the Town Branch. We'd miss those more subtle flavor characteristics. I don't know, man.
0: I feel like once you get that bourbon taste, man, it's hard to beat. That's very hard to beat. I love this stuff.
1: It, and it's incredible, like I said, how different they are, you know. And Yeah. Uh, like, so when you taste them out of barrel side by side, or if you taste multiple, my hand selects. Every now and then we'll do a tasting. Maybe we'll break out like five different Four Roses, you know, and uh, at an event. The problem is we don't keep any back stock. So for me, for the, when the barrels come in, uh, we recently had two barrels sell in six hours, you know, a two-bottle limit by our email list. So some of them are only there for a couple hours. Uh, some might last a couple months. Uh, yeah. I never know how long they're going to last. But we don't hold anything back. So once they're gone, they're gone. I like, wow. that. I like that. Style. I take balls home for myself. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see stores that might have something six months, a year, two, three years later. I mean, it just they're they're not going to be around that long. I so. was su-
0: I was super impressed with your store. Uh, it looks great, man. It's got a good flow to right. it. Yeah, it's packed. It's got a lot of selection. Um, the email list, man. Where can people jump on that? And yes. What, and what's that all about? Obviously, you're demoing and telling people when you get stuff in the store.
1: Yes. Yeah, so anytime you're in the store, you can you can opt in and sign up for our email list. Um, and basically, we'll let you know when we do tastings, events, barrel releases um, on barrels that are short yields or, say, like Buffalo Trace products where there's really high demand, something like that malt whiskey, uh, we'll send them out by email before they ever go out on the shelf and give our customers first opportunity to buy them. I love that. Yeah, We've got access. people coming from six different states now for our single barrels. So, wow. uh, Like a I've little really, VIP service going yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. want to make sure that people, um, you know, for me, it's all about trying to get the whiskey in the right hands. You know, you hear about all the allocated bourbons and, and, and people yeah. chasing them and, uh, you know, fortunately, a lot of people want to buy them to resell them, which is just driving the price in the secondary market yeah. for all of us that want to go home and drink That's them, right. So. Yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah. You, uh, you do stuff with the Bourbon Society um, um, over here at the uh, Rackhouse? Rack house? Yes. We do. Yeah. Yeah, we do but, events over there. Yeah. That's um, another good opportunity. People, uh, they're listening, man. If you want to get it and meet some people that, that, that are into this and that are can maybe either you can teach some, learn from all the way around. Uh, they have a, a bourbon. Is it called the Bourbon Society? Yeah. yeah bourbon Society at the Rack house in uh, Gulfport. Um, go on their Facebook page or online and join in there. And you've done some, some um, demonstrations yeah, up we, there, right? Yeah, we've had some
1: great tastings over there. And yeah. uh, it, like I said, it's always fun to get the opportunity to get in front of people. And, um, you know, one thing I miss as a retailer is I don't get to see people's reaction as they taste the product right. and kind of walk them through the experience and share that with them. Um, Those I mean, events, I'm assuming, give you that... Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, same thing working on the restaurant side, right? You get the opportunity right. firsthand to be in front of people, which I love. Right. Um, but like I said, being a small business owner, it's also nice to be home. You know, at one point I had my own <laughs> restaurant too, and uh, I don't need 100-plus-hour work weeks. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Good to sleep. Trying to rein them in 65, 70-ish hours a week. Dude, I
0: totally understand that. No doubt. Um, Man, this was a good one. I really enjoyed this. I very much appreciate you coming, stopping by, and doing this with us. Um, If people, uh, the people are listening here, where can they find you? Like, what's the best way, uh, you know, online, I'm sure you got a a presence there.
1: How can they reach out? Yeah, so if you want to find us, um, you can find us on the internet, pretty much if you Put it in myzanos yeah. or bourbon. <laughs> it's it's you'll find it's yeah. com, So it's M A I S A N O apostrophe S. Myzanos.
2: It's myzanos. That's right. Yep. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's how you spell myzanos. Uh, we're in Ocean Springs, uh, just across the bridge here from Biloxi. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We're right on the south side of Highway 90. We're in the shopping center where Aztec is getting ready to open up. Between oh, them I didn't and know New that. York I didn't Pizza, know that. they're gonna open up in about two weeks. We're our new Ooh, neighbors, so yeah. yeah, they're if gonna. If it's anything uh, like the one over in Goshey, that place is always mm-hmm. packed. And they're actually planning to have some more hand slip bourbons right next door there as well. Uh, there's a ton of great bars downtown, but yeah, we're right there in the Oak Shopping Center. Like we've been there 15 years now. We've got uh, over 1,600 wines on hand. Um, yeah. We need to come in and talk wine one day. Sure. Just, yeah. do, just I, do wines. I, you know? I love talking about wine and whiskey. It's not brown, equally, but, uh, so. you know, we like to drink it too, so yeah, it doesn't yeah, it's matter. It's yeah. if it's older. <laughs> That's uh, right. And then we've got about 700 spirits. Like I said, 200 whiskeys at all time. Um, I've picked 15 barrels so far this year. Like I said, I've got these seven on hand right now. We've got uh, multiple barrels getting ready to come in the next few weeks. I just had a Knob Creek get bottled. Just had a couple of Russell Reserve from Wild Turkey get bottled. I got my first Smooth Ambler's going to get bottled. to pick back in November, uh, Four Roses. I've got a hundred proof and a barrel strength. So we've got lots of great barrels coming.
0: You got a lot of experience, a lot of, uh, knowledge at the store. I can tell. So that's, yeah. that's, that means a lot for people because you can go buy stuff anywhere, but you know, to get an experience, to get somebody that walk you through the process and then have some of this special hand selected stuff that you can't get anywhere else. That's legit.
1: Yeah. And if people go online look us up on Facebook, you get an opportunity to see not only about the single barrels, but just kind of some, some overview of the store, what we do, different events. And, uh. It's been a lot of fun over the past 15 years and and plan to do it till the day I can't do it anymore to uh, keep sharing the story and the passion and help people find the right products, continue to grow our selection, and uh, plenty of great single barrels to come. That's that's awesome, awesome. man.
0: Let's not make this a one-off. Let's do it again. Like I said, bring some wine in and some more bourbons or whatever. Maybe we'll even get a couple people in here and uh, make it a a to-do. Thanks again, man, so much for stopping by. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and until the next one, we'll see you then.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Hey guys, I just wanted to jump in here at the end and say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. Um, We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to talk to us, man, drop us a comment. You can go to our Facebook page, at BrownWaterBee on Instagram, at BrownWaterBee on Twitter. Uh, Let us know how you're doing. Let us know how you're entertaining yourself right now while there's nothing to do. Tag us in any of your photos. We'd love to know what you're up to. And until the next one, we'll see you then.